Hello there, I'm Susan Bradley and welcome to the Four Modern Mothers podcast, a podcast dedicated to mothers and mothers-to-be, here to help you navigate your own unique journey through modern motherhood. In each episode, there'll be insights and wisdom. We'll be covering everything from fertility and trying to conceive to pregnancy and birth and onwards through your life as a mother. Expect conversations around subjects and issues that will support, inspire, inform, and empower you. From health and well-being, to body image, self-care, mental health, birth, pregnancy, work-life balance, relationships, the whole lot. With my specially invited guests and experts, as well as sharing my own knowledge with you. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe too. Okay, welcome. It's good to good to um, start this episode, and I'm really excited today because I've got with me um, Caroline Bolton, who is um, somebody that I know well and I know has lots of expertise. And we are going to be talking today um, about breastfeeding and about some of the truths and the myths of breastfeeding, because there are rather a lot of them. And you might have heard them from people and um, you might have read them in some books even or online. And um, some of these are outdated things. Some of these are things that were never the truth at all. Um, And I hear it a lot in my classes that I teach. And I did ask actually um, some of the people in my classes this week, what did they wish they knew about breastfeeding or what they heard that they then knew wasn't true? and there's so many interesting things or from the pregnant people in my classes what what they've been told or what they think or or that's fascinating as well so it's a really big topic obviously we can't cover everything to unpick Um, but I thought we'd try and cover some of the the key ones or the common misconceptions and kind of give some information that is actually the truth and that is kind of real so because that's a really important place to have that information to to make your decisions from so Welcome to Caroline. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really pleased to have you here. And Caroline is a, a lactation consultant. And the first thing I'd love to for people to know is what that means and what you do, because we all know what a midwife is and we all know what a GP and a doctor is. But often people have never heard or come across a lactation consultant before. And it's a very specialist job and a very important one. So could you start with that, Caroline? Yeah, thanks, Susan. I'd just like to say it's really great to be here. Thanks ever so much for asking me. Um, <laughs> Nothing I like better than talking about breastfeeding. (laughs) Yeah, so I started off training as a breastfeeding counsellor with the Association of Breastfeeding Mothers in 2002 when I was pregnant with my third child, who is now 18. And then um, I volunteered as a breastfeeding counsellor and did some local volunteering. And then I did my International Board Certified Lactation Consultant exam which means you have to take some exams in health sciences if you're not already a health professional, which I wasn't, and have um, at least a thousand hours of clinical practice with breastfeeding. And yeah, and I, and I passed and a lot of hard work. Um, and yeah, so I'm a lactation consultant now. So I do some voluntary work and some private practice as well. Yeah, so wow, a thousand hours of practice that I mean that's a lot of time Mm. isn't it that's such a lot of experience just to get that qualification and that's very specialized all in breastfeeding so that's yeah 
Absolutely. And and there's always something to, more to learn as well. So every family that I work with or volunteer with, I learn something new every time. It's amazing. Yeah. But it just means that you, there's such a wealth of knowledge there. Mm. And it's just a shame that often women, couples, parents don't understand or know about, you know, what a lactation consultant is yeah. and how much specialist knowledge they have. And that's why I was really pleased that you'd you'd come on because your knowledge is just so specialist in this area um, and it's fascinating. And it's just really good to have that information that comes from a proper place of science and research and then applies it obviously to, to people who need support and help. Brilliant, thank you. So I, as I said, have assembled some questions that um, things that people often ask me in classes and courses before or, or things that people have kind of come to realize and thought were true and then realized from um, either coming to, to you or to going to um, treasure chest meetings and, and other support groups that actually what they'd read or heard or been told by um, friends and family wasn't true at all. Um, and so getting to the, the actual quality information. So the one thing that people always say, I think, and, and you must hear this an awful lot, is about breastfeeding hurting should it hurt or that it will hurt what do you have to say about that yeah so generally speaking breastfeeding shouldn't hurt if it does hurt then i would get suggest that somebody gets some help sometimes at the beginning of a feed there is what we call a hormonal pain and that can last for 20 30 seconds and it can actually be quite toe curling but then it wears off and that lasts for a couple of weeks or so and then wears off itself and that can be quite a normal hormonal pain so it's it's similar um some parents in pregnancy have breast aching and pains and it's a similar hormonal response to that but anything other than that, um, or if there's any damage to the nipple or the areola, the bit around the nipple tissue, then it's really good to get some help as soon as you're feeling sore. And if anybody says anything to you like, um, oh, the latch looks fine, but you're still in pain, then you need to find somebody else to help you that can has got more training that can help you. And we can usually, you know, if we catch it early enough, we can, it's usually just a very, very simple thing that we can tweak um, with positioning and attachment that will mean that you, you know, that pain will, will go. Right, yeah. Uh, so it shouldn't be painful. That is just no. one of those myths, isn't it? That, that Other than sometimes at the beginning, beginning for a week that. or two, at the beginning of a feed for 20, 30 seconds, yeah. there shouldn't be any pain. Yeah, okay, brilliant. That's, that's reassuring, because I'm sure that must... Right put a lot of women off doesn't it yeah. put a lot of people off thinking oh well that's going to be painful I don't know if I mm. can do that where mm. actually yeah it, it shouldn't be and there's people who can support you to help it not to be apart from that hormone yes and I also think Susan that um evolutionary wise nature wouldn't have made something over thousands and thousands of years painful <laughs> that was meant to sustain us as a species because yeah. Yeah. it would you know so so there's that aspect as well to think about yeah yeah so if it is causing discomfort beyond that then it, it's some support that you need that, yes. that can help somebody to check that that you know Ill positioning support. the latch yeah. and yeah yes. absolutely great and there are lots of other reasons why somebody might be sore but we'd always look at the the basics first rather than rushing in and saying it's one thing or another we'd always look at the foundations and then if that's not working we'd find we'd think about other things that it could be yeah yeah
Great, that's really helpful. And then something um, that people often say, and this is this I know in itself is a really big question, a really big topic is why is breastfeeding so good? Why is breastfeeding, you know, so important or or mm. such a, a, a beneficial thing to do? What what would you say to that? Yeah, and it's it's sometimes quite difficult to explain that which yeah you're saying oh it's a really big question so breastfeeding is not better than anything else breastfeeding is the human norm and it's what we are meant to do so there are risks associated with not breastfeeding and they are really hard to talk about because formula can sometimes be a lifesaver for babies and a lot of families make a choice to formula feed so obviously it does keep the baby alive but um i would say it's the most important one of the most important decisions of your life how you feed your baby because it's not just for when the baby is a baby it's for when the baby is growing up and when they're an adult and their families too plus the um the the ongoing health of the the parent as well so for example um the risks of osteoporosis of breast cancer ovarian cancer are higher if you haven't breastfed so it doesn't mean that everybody who doesn't breastfeed will get breast cancer. And that's why it's so hard to talk about risk. But yeah. it just means overall throughout the whole country, there is a higher risk. Um, and that is really hard to convey to people. So for example, if you had breast cancer in your, unfortunately in your family, that might be one of the major reasons why you decided to breastfeed. So yeah. for every year you breastfeed and for every for every pregnancy and every year you breastfeed, there's a 4% reduction in the risk of getting breast cancer, which I think is worth having. It doesn't mean you won't get breast no. cancer, but yeah. So it is a really difficult topic to talk about. Um, it is, it but, is. And yeah, the benefits not just for baby, but also for for the person doing the breastfeeding as well. That's yes, interesting, isn't it? Exactly, and it is. There's, there's a lot of research, and um, people argue about the word benefit because there aren't any benefits to something that is normal. Yes. But on the other hand, you know, we don't want if people choose to to formula feed, that's absolutely fine. And if people, lots of people have to give formula as a medical need as well, or choose to combination feed. And all of those work really well for those families. And as breastfeeding counsellors, as lactation consultants, we're here to help people reach their goals, whatever that looks like. So there's no judgment. We will just help you to do what you want to do, whether it's starting to introduce formula and combination feed or, or stopping breastfeeding. That's what we're here for, to help you reach your goals. But, e- but equally, if you want to breastfeed exclusively, we can help you to get to that goal as well. So there's a, a really broad range of options yeah. for breastfeeding and a little bit of breast milk is fantastic and, and still provides millions of antibodies for that baby. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? There's lots of different ways to do it. So yes. you might provide a mixture of, of breast milk and formula. You might have that combination feeding. You might provide breast milk, but it might be not straight from the breast. It might be expressed Absolutely. and put in through a bottle yes. or a different system, but that is yeah. still breastfeeding. That You're is still, still breastfeeding baby. your baby. Yeah, because yes. sometimes people yes. think, oh, well, I'm giving it, I've expressed it's in a bottle, it's not breastfeeding. And that's not yes. true either, is it? No. no, no, absolutely not. And and life's not easy, is it? There's, there's no. always 
you know, if nothing is ever straightforward. Somebody might have had a really difficult birth experience and really struggled. They might have lost a lot of blood and that can sometimes impact on your supply. Mm -hmm. um, and things like things can happen that mean that maybe you can't get to your full supply and you can still breastfeed, but you might have to add, add some formula in as well. And But that person is still breastfeeding their baby and yeah. should be really, really proud of themselves. So there's lots and lots of options. Yeah, that's, I think that's really, definitely really important. And somebody asked me this question about breastfeeding, either after a difficult birth or after a, mm. a cesarean birth, where they maybe yes. didn't get to feed initially or struggled initially perhaps in the hospital or maybe the baby went to special care and so they weren't breastfeeding them straight mm. away. Um, and the impact of that and could that impact their either ability to feed the baby after that exclusively breastfed or their supply to feed that baby mm. that have an effect yeah so birth experiences do impact on breastfeeding so if a baby goes to special care it's really important to immediately start stimulating the breasts to tell the breasts to tell your body that the baby has arrived because if the baby has arrived early for example or you've had a cesarean where it's come out the not normal exit then your body sometimes is a bit confused and so getting those breasts stimulated the breasts have got little receptors in and all those receptors need to be primed in and the first two weeks of the window for that so as soon as possible you might feel absolutely rubbish but it's really important to just keep hand expressing massaging hand expressing the breasts in the first few days and then to tell your body that the baby is here and to protect your supplies so the most important thing is to make sure the baby has milk and hopefully it's your milk but if not then we can use either donor milk or formula the second most important thing is to protect your supply and the third thing is we'll aim at getting that baby to the breast but we wouldn't, we, we need to have a supply to protect the supply to be able to do that whilst ensuring the baby gets enough milk, whatever, wherever that milk comes from. Yeah. yeah. Those three steps are really, really important. But the key is to, as soon as you can, just have your baby with you. Don't let your baby go. Keep your baby with you, skin to skin, and mm -hmm. try and reset and re ignite those natural instinctive behaviors so we're looking for a baby that's starting to i call it the peck and plonk so the baby starts to peck like a woodpecker and then they will peck down and they will actually latch on their own now if the baby's instinctive behaviors are dampened through having a cesarean through having some drugs during labor and we're not saying don't have drugs during labor but be aware that they might make the baby a bit sleepy if you do or you might be feeling you might not be very well you might have lost a lot of blood or had quite a few stitches and not feeling too good then just trying to reignite reinstate those natural instinctive behaviors is imperative keep the noise down the lights down we're not having many visitors at the moment mm. which is a really good thing but just trying to rebuild that situation that if you didn't have that what we call the golden hour yeah. just trying to recreate that and it'll all sort of start to come back but it's really important to to have that time that closeness and that skin to skin while making sure the baby gets the milk and you protect your supply so it's hard work yeah but, there's, yeah. Um, but we're just trying to bring back what has been dampened by those birth often birth practices or experiences 
yeah yeah and so it, but were you would but it can you can get back to well, absolutely yeah absolutely and it's really good to have somebody to walk with you sometimes you just need somebody there to sort of say yeah you're doing great today keep going another day that's another day done you've expressed a little bit more today well that's fantastic look how much milky baby's getting whether you've expressed a, a milliliter or a pint it doesn't really right, mix mix my right, shows how old i am doesn't it because i'm talking about pint um it doesn't really matter because we can always increase the amount you can express if you are expressing yeah. your, your baby um, and then get the baby to the breast. But we need to bring everything down and reset, um, yeah. which is really important. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I remember I, well, as you know, I've got twins and um, yeah. they were in Skaboo and it was hard just expressing when I wasn't even with them. But then they were, you know, both exclusively breastfed from through the tubes and then from the breast. And then, you know, and that was after a cesarean. So it was like, it, yeah. it, is possible but it it was tough and it did take a lot of support you know to really yes. do that and I think that's what people need to realize isn't it that it's really hard to do mm. it on your own you shouldn't expect that you no. can really I don't I very no. rarely encounter a woman who finds breastfeeding easy without getting support at some point yes. would you say that yeah absolutely and we've lost that support network haven't we of everybody's family on the yeah. same street you know, and seeing babies and with COVID as well, that's sort of made that yeah. even worse. Um, so that's where Treasure Chest comes in. So we can't obviously replace your family and your, your dearest friends, but we can go some way to being your companions on that journey, walking with you. We don't give advice, but we can give you information and empathy and listen to you. And I think sometimes you just need somebody to listen to you, even if it's been awful. So, and to, to acknowledge what you're going through and validate it and that to say, well, what can we do to try and make things a little bit better? You've done fantastically because you might be the most confident person before you have a baby and, you know, have the most fantastic job where you're telling people what to do all the time. But you have a baby and you're very, even if everything goes well, you're still very vulnerable. You're absolutely knackered. And you're probably quite lonely because you can't see anybody. And it is a very, very difficult time. And, and I think a lot of families are in shock. Mm -hmm. The babies often are in shock because of the birth practices. Um, you know, we were meant to be in a cave, weren't we, on our own with you know, somebody off catching a rabbit. And <laughs> it's flippant, but all the bright lights in the hospital, the, the voices, people, other people touching mm -hmm. you, which is why we say, don't let anybody else touch your baby. Um, it doesn't help to get breastfeeding off to a good start. And if you've had those interventions or a cesarean, you know, cesarean's a major operation. I think we forget that. Mm. As well as having this new baby, the emotional and all those emotional strains as well. It, it's, it's tough. Um, and I think having that support, finding the person that you feel you can you know, have with you, walking with you, just to message every day and say, how's it going? And that's why the peer supporters are there. That's why they do a lot of training in listening skills and communication skills. And then if you need some more specialist help, then the breastfeeding counselors and the lactation consultants are there. And there's obviously your midwife and your health visitor are there if you need some medical help as well. And they all have a very uh, basic level of training. So they should be able to 
help you as well. So, but I think it's really important if, if you're not getting anywhere to seek out somebody who's who's further trained because yeah. not everybody knows nobody knows everything, do they? So if you're still sore or you're still struggling with breastfeeding, find somebody that can help you. Yeah. And if you really, I think the thing is that sometimes, and this is fine if you're happy to do this, sometimes they'll say, well, just give the baby some formula as well. Or, or you know, that will that will solve the problem. But it yes. won't solve the problem if you really wanted to exclusively breastfeed. No. So that's not solving the problem at all no. for you. And and if you want, you know, it might not be possible, but if it is possible, it's just knowing you've explored yes. all the options, isn't it? And yes. sometimes it is that help and support. And it could be yes. a tiny thing like the latch and the position. It could be a, a bigger problem and it yes. might not be possible, but also just knowing you've explored everything and being down every mm. avenue, I think is important for the mum, isn't it? As well as yes. the baby, it's tough. It is. And I think a lot of families can get pressure from other people who see that they're tired, um, can see that they're, you know, absolutely exhausted and maybe emotionally upset and want to help and think that maybe suggesting giving the baby some formula might help. And we know that it's, unless there's a medical need, it, it's often a downward spiral to stopping breastfeeding. So it undermines your confidence. So, yeah, so sometimes, you know, we need to be, I sometimes think I'm, I'm, I've got a little Jack Russell and she often digs holes and I'm, I, I think I'm like a terrier as well. I'm just need to get to the bottom of it rather yeah. than putting a sticking plaster over it and mm. not treating the, finding out what's going on. And sometimes it's impossible, you know, I can't say we have an answer to everything, but most of the time we can improve things and talk about options and then the family can decide which way they want to go and then we can support them with whichever direction they want to go in but it's all about having that information isn't it and having yeah. it explained to you in a way that is clear and you understand so it's not in scientific terms and it but it's in enough detail and you've got some more backup backup of some more evidence and research mm -hmm. that you can read if you want to so you can make that informed decision yeah and that's the thing isn't it that you make that decision with the information you've got and then that's that's fine it's not that you anyone should make any decision that's not right for them that's the important yes. thing that you make it the is. choice and it feels mm -hmm. right in the moment and that's all you can do so yeah I think that's really important definitely um okay slightly moving on um to something slightly different and this is something people have often maybe been told or read or heard um that giving your baby a bottle will help your baby sleep through the yeah. night. <laughs> okay, so there is no evidence for that. In fact, breastfed parents get more sleep than, than babies that, um, than parents whose babies bottle feed. They just get it at different times of the day. Um, so babies were never meant to sleep through the night. So anybody that says to you, oh, um, you know, your baby needs to sleep through. We're obsessed with sleep in this country, I think. So babies are meant because um, evolution, again, it's this old, this old evolution thing has made your prolactin, which is one of the breastfeeding hormones highest at night. And the, the prolactin helps make the milk. So, and I think that's probably because there were no predators at night, you're in a dark place um, and it's quiet and the baby can feed uninterrupted, knowing that that's, they're hardwired to do that at night, so to in, to try and increase your supply. So it doesn't mean there's more milk at night, but it just means that it builds more milk for the baby for the future. So 
even though we're in the 21st century, babies don't know that. So they <laughs> are still hardwired to wake at night. So it's a really good thing for babies to wake up at night. Um, and it's not a good thing for them to sleep. So a baby won't be sleeping through the night till at least they're two. If they've done it before two, that's just good luck. So really <laughs> lucky stars. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but formula fed babies don't know that they're formula fed. They will still wake up during growth spurts and during the night generally because their bodies are saying, I need more milk. And then it's even more of a fat to actually go down and boil the kettle because you can't make formula up in advance mm. um, because of the risk um, to the baby. So, because it's not, not a sterile product. So it's more hassle probably yeah. than to, to whop your breast out. So um, it's not a very technical term. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, um, but it is a myth and a lot of people are so tired that they mm. will try anything. So I think then it's really important to talk about making the feeds more efficient, trying to get as much milk into the baby as you can, because the milk equals calories, which equals sleep. Mm. And there is more milk in breast milk than there is in formula, uh, more calories in breast milk, sorry, than there is in formula anyway. So if we can make the feeds as effective as possible and get as much milk in the baby as we can to that, get that efficiency as high as we can, then you're just doing the best you can. Um, but I think it, it is hard, especially in winter when it's cold and you're waking up at night. But baby, it's a good, if you can get into your head that it's normal for babies to wake up at night and it's a good thing because they're getting calories, which not only helps them sleep, but develops their brain. So the more calories they have, the more clever they're going to be. Then you know there's nothing wrong. It doesn't mean you're any less tired, but you know there's nothing wrong. And hopefully- yes. That, that's what almost what you've signed up for if you're getting to the stage where it's affecting your mental health then that's something that we can talk about more and we can maybe talk to your health professional as well but generally speaking hopefully we can get through a day at a time so it's tough it is tough being a yeah. parent being a, being a parent is really tough so my youngest is 18 and I've got a 20 year old and a 22 year old and it's still tough and I still don't really, you know, I still think, oh, what should I do about this, even though they're, they're adults? <laughs> All the way through, there's just different challenges. Um, yeah. And I sometimes think it would be much easier if they were babies again. But when they are babies, I thought, oh, gosh, I can't wait for them to grow up so I don't have to wake up at night. And now yeah. you know, I worry about them at night. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a tough one, that, isn't it? Because it is, yeah. I think the lack of sleep, just if, if you're wake, you know, baby's waking often and that broken sleep for long, long periods of time awful. is awful. It is truly awful. And I absolutely feel for people going through that and just thinking, when will it ever end? And of course yes. it will end, but nobody can see into the future and tell you when. And there's nothing that's normal that your friend's baby or your sister's baby does one thing and your baby does the opposite and they're all different. That's what's so hard, yes. I think, too, isn't yeah. it? The comparing. And I think people sleeping through the night is is really only classed as four hours. So, you know, I think a baby that is sleeping 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., there's maybe you need to make sure that baby's getting enough milk. Um, and if you're breastfeeding, what will happen is your supply will drop and then you'll think you haven't got enough milk and the baby will be fussy because your supply has dropped and then you might give some formula and then it's a, like a downward spiral. So if we can trust our babies, um, then that's the best thing if we, we can do. But knowing there's nothing wrong and as much night feeding as they want is fantastic 
because so we want their we want their brains to develop we want them to be as clever as possible um grow as much as as uh, what is normal for humans um and then eventually you know that they'll go to bed after after you you know you'll go to bed for them and, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not an issue but it's a long haul i think yes. it's a really really long haul and nobody can ever explain we have we do antenatal you know we talk about it and i think it's good to talk to other parents but somehow until you're in there the yeah. enormity yeah. of it doesn't strike you but no and sometimes and think, even saying it's not forever doesn't help either because you're in the moment yeah. um, but there's an expectation i think lots of people think that by six months the baby will sleep through i think that i don't know where it came from but it you it would be extraordinarily lucky you know and it's it, no that's not a normal expectation for a human baby no, at all we've just not even a that. year no mm, not even no. a year if you think why you wake up in the night you might wake up because you're cold you might wake up because you're hot you might wake up you've got an itch somewhere you might need a, mm. to go to the bathroom you might be hungry you know who's got yeah. up in the night and gone for midnight munches <laughs> you might want a cuddle you might have toothache you know so a many cuddle, things something hurts or yeah. you just yeah so all those things and if yeah. if a if an older child woke up in the night we wouldn't sort of just force them to go back to sleep would we we'd we'd, we'd, we'd want to respond yeah. to them yeah. it's the same with yeah. babies but um yeah it's it's tough yeah, it's tough. I think, yeah, acknowledging it's tough and that you're doing a brilliant job is, is definitely the first yeah. thing to do, for sure, for sure. Great. Um, something else somebody mentioned as a question was, and I've heard people um, that I know get this wrong, um, saying, is is exclusively breastfeeding a good form of contraception? Yeah, so originally it was the only form of contraception and babies were space it was a child spacer um but of course times have changed haven't they haven't they so so the, this method is called it's a really hard word to say the lactation amenorrhea method or lamb for short so that is actually 98 to 99 percent effective which is about the same as the pill in preventing pregnancy but you have to have all three of these following things in action you have the baby has to be under six months old your period shouldn't have resumed and your baby is breastfeeding exclusively whenever they want and they don't receive any other food or drink which they wouldn't have before six months anyway yeah. um yeah. that includes water so any of those things would make that method not as effective but i think it's really really important to say that sometimes we can't rely on the lamb method exclusively some people do but um, I would definitely suggest talking to your midwife about con contraceptive yeah. methods yeah. that are suitable for you. So a lot of the hormonal um, contraceptives can affect this, your milk supply as well. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of, of, of information around that. Um, and again, we can point you in the deck, we can signpost you to the information. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So again, it's a bit of a, it's not a myth because if those if that situation is followed to the letter then yes it can be really really effective but it's you have to be really careful and make sure that you're not going out sort of working half a day and the baby yes. is yes. having access yeah. to the breast because that will reduce 
the effectiveness. effectiveness. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. I know people have been caught out with that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's why they ask at your six week check, isn't it? One of the questions about contraception for that reason, because people maybe get that wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something else people were asking of was, um, will breastfeeding make your breast saggy, saggy boobs? Yeah, that's a so our breasts were never meant to be pert all our lives. So <laughs> as a, a nearly 60 year old, I can vouch for that. Um, mine are like pancakes, I won't, you know, but I'm quite proud of my pancakes because that's how they're <laughs> meant to be. And I can hitch them up if I want to, or if I don't, I can just, you know, flop around the house. <laughs> um, but pregnancy itself is, is is what can stretch the ligaments and make breasts saggy breastfeeding only uses the muscles so strengthens the muscles um so it's the pregnancy that makes the breast saggy but we were never meant to have sort of breasts that stayed up our whole lives anyway it's yeah. only modern yeah. society that expects that isn't it and mm. it is seen as being ugly to have saggy breasts or you know not normal when in actual fact that is the norm um so yeah so that's a really difficult one isn't it um yeah but it's the pregnancy that yeah. causes yeah. the stretching yeah and then yeah. breastfeeding only uses the muscles there is actually a book called saggy boobs it's <laughs> full of lots of more information about um, okay. about saggy oh. boobs <laughs> Maybe I can give you the, the link to that. And if I'll put the link to that. Yeah, I will. That's great. Definitely. Definitely. Excellent. Thank you. Is there anything else that you can think of, Caroline, that people ask a lot or the common thing, something common that people come with? I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking about some the, the language that we use. Mm. And there's a few things that are really, really out of date now that really make breastfeeding harder and more confusing. So we don't use the word demand feeding anymore because that suggests that a baby is crying for a feed and demanding a feed. Yeah. And has probably been hungry for quite a long time. So when a baby cries, they've been hungry for about 45 minutes. So what we want to encourage families to do is to look for the very, very early cue. And you will learn about your baby when your baby arrives or if your baby's there already they might just do a little fish mouth or they might just move their head from side to side and that's why having your baby with you either skin to skin or in a sling is really really mm. important because if the baby's in a Moses basket or somewhere else they you can't learn about your baby you can't learn about those early cues and they will probably just cry and you've missed the early cues of course there are times when they're in a car seat and we can't get to them that's absolutely fine or you're yeah. in there in a buggy or something but in the first few months it's really important to learn about those very very early cues so we call it responsive feeding now so anybody that's using anything you re read that talks about demand feeding i would just bin it because it's out of date anybody who's who uses the word demand feeding with you again their training needs updating and there you need to talk to somebody who's a bit more updated Another word that we, um, or a couple of words that we, t we used to use are full milk and hind milk, which suggests yeah. that there are two yeah. different kinds of milk. So we know that milk gets fattier towards the end of a feed, but there is still yeah. fat at the beginning of the feed and there is still water, electrolytes, minerals and vitamins at the end of a feed. It just gets fattier throughout 
towards the end of the feed. So anybody, again, anybody that's using the terms for milk and hind milk, and some people say, oh, the baby's not putting on weight because they're not getting their hind milk. Well, the mm. baby's not putting um, weight on because they're not getting enough milk, full stop. And that could be because the feeds aren't efficient enough, um, but we would need to look at the whole situation. We would look at the birth story about how the baby's feeding and then look at the situation. So we don't talk about full milk and high milk anymore because people just think it's two different kinds of milk. So yeah. milk is, yeah. is, is all fantastic. So we don't say that full milk is, you know, that the milk we used to call full milk is thinner because that suggests it's not as good or mm. the is richer that suggests it's better it's all fantastic and the baby needs it all um, but the baby does need a full feed on one side and then the theory is we would offer the other one if they want it that's great if they don't that's fine too yeah so those yeah. are just some ideas about how the use of language moves yeah. on yeah um, big big breasts and small breasts somebody it all depends on your storage capacity so somebody with larger breasts might have a smaller storage capacity and therefore the baby needs to feed more throughout the day baby somebody with smaller breasts might have a larger capacity and therefore the baby doesn't quite feed as often so we're looking for eight to 12 feeds in 24 hours and to be honest it's usually 10 12 plus um, eight feeds in 24 hours is fine if everything's going really, really well. Otherwise, we need to increase the amount of um, feeds that that baby has. So using hours is not helpful. So every three hours is not helpful. That suggests that the baby feeds every three hours. A baby might just feed during the evening for three or four hours and then have a four hour break. And that's absolutely fine. Or yeah. they might yeah. have feed every hour, but then feed every two hours or every three hours so it's that eight to twelve in 24 hours that we're looking for so saying the baby needs to feed every so many hours is not helpful and is out of date as well yeah and that whole idea about yeah you're like you just said the size the size of your breasts you know pre-pregnancy yes. normally irrelevant. is no is irrelevant yeah irrelevant yeah yes. totally someone who doesn't have large breasts and breastfed twins it's irrelevant <laughs> yes absolutely so, yeah. Um, you know, yeah yes so again sometimes some people yeah think that incorrectly or, or you know gets gets caught up in it so yeah it i think we've lost we've, we've lost that confidence in our bodies mm. you know, it's, breastfeeding has kept us going as a species for thousands and thousands of years why doesn't why wouldn't it work it only works because yeah. of modern technology modern practices modern society society yeah use if, if you were just left to it, it would work. Um, and mm. the baby, you know, would, would feed whenever the baby wanted to feed. And eventually yeah. they feed that they get more efficient and they feed a bit less. So it does become less onerous. But you do it so much that you just eventually you just stick them on and they just get on with it. And there are people who yeah. do struggle the whole way through. And, and that is is really, really sad. And but they often still just push through, push through and manage to give their baby breast milk. And for some people, it's a really, really tough journey. Yeah. But I think having that confidence in our bodies, which I think we've lost in pregnancy and, and, and birth as well. Um, yeah. But yeah. breastfeeding, you know, we wouldn't be here if it didn't work. And I think yeah. it's having that confidence because what people are often said, told, you know, oh, if, especially like if they're having twins, I don't know if you were told, oh, you won't be able to feed twins, so it's going to be really hard. So we're undermined before we even have the baby sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. instead of yeah. saying to that person, yeah, it's going to be great, you know, as 
keep the baby or babies with you we're here to support you you know it's gonna be hard work it's hard work formula feeding because yeah. you have to make up all the bottles and wash everything it's really really hard work so and i think it's not the particularly the feeding it's just having a baby having a family is, is hard work yeah, definitely. being a parent is, is yeah, hard work. Yeah. And there are obviously nice bits as well. Otherwise, yes. <laughs> honestly, honestly, out there, there are really lovely bits as well. Um, when they do their first smile and things like that. Yeah. It's just absolutely fantastic. And that closeness that you feel is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So it is, it's, it is that thing, isn't it? It's, mm. it's always a, a things that are good and bad and balancing things. But yeah, it's it's just tough isn't it so sometimes but yeah. knowing that people are there to support you I think that's yes. important that you can get support and it's okay to ask for support it's normal to need that support yes. in the the way that we live nowadays it's not it a sign of weakness at all it's a sign of strength no. it, it, it certainly is mm. um and yeah asking for help asking for more help mm. and keeping on asking for help and the yes. peer supporters and the uh, breastfeeding counselors and lactation consultants you know we'll go you know hell and high water to help you because yeah. that's yeah. what we're here for um and without judgment as well I mean there they are you know they're not there to tell you what to do at yeah. all it's really important they're just there to support you to do what you want to do and that's yes. the thing yes so, yeah. yes yes absolutely, absolutely. Mm. great that's brilliant Caroline thank you thank, thank you. you so much there is one final question I want to ask you that I'm asking um, people in these in these podcasts, and that is, what is the one thing that you'd like or wish that all mothers to know? If there's like one oh. thing, one like nugget, one piece of gold that Gosh. you wish right. that you could impart okay. in somebody, what would it be? Quite a long a long sentence. So I think um, to realise that there's no such thing as a routine. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about a flexi teen, a flexible routine. So if you listen to your baby's cues, keep your baby with you and, you know, really listen to your baby, you can't go far wrong and you'll really, really enjoy parenting rather than trying to change nature. Great. Amazing. That's really, that's really, that's really good. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Thank you. What great piece of Thank you wisdom. Me. Thank you so much, Caroline. And where's the best place? I'm going to put some links as well on the, on the podcast pages, but how can people find you? What's the best route to get okay. in touch with you? So Treasure Chest have got three Zoom meetings a week. Um, to, two of those are run by peer supporters and one of those is run by myself and Adrian Simons, who's another IBCLC in York. We alternate every Thursday. So if you contact Treasure Chest, they will give you the links for those. Mm -hmm. The peer supporter mm -hmm. ones are great as well. And then I have my own business page, which is Caroline Bolton Lactation Consultant. So um, the, group, the Zoom groups are free and you can access us there. Obviously that's a, a, a group meeting, but we, yeah. we can talk yeah. about issues, but it's really, they're really great to chat to other parents as well. And yeah. realize you're on your own. Yeah. And then yeah. um, Caroline Bolton Lactation Consultant is my Facebook group that you can contact me through if you wanted to go down that route. But I think it's really important um, to note that we, we do offer the free Zoom as well on a Thursday. So there are options yeah. depending yeah. on what you want at that particular time. 
Great. That's brilliant. That's super. So I'll put a link to your um, Facebook page so people yeah. can contact you. And I'll put a link to um, the Treasure Chest support group that we've got here in York yes. as well. So people Ooh. can find that. One more thing, Susan. Yeah. This is, I'll be saying that about one more thing. Um, <laughs> there is the National Breastfeeding Helpline as well. So yes. that is funded by Public Health England. I'm the manager of the, uh, the National Breastfeeding Helpline. So I'm employed by Public Health England. And the Breastfeeding Network and the Association of Breastfeeding Mothers um, provide voluntary breastfeeding counsellors who go on the National Breastfeeding Helpline. So you can always call them. They have a social media offering as well. So if you're into Facebook, you can send a message. And they also have a web chat option. So if you're not into ringing up, yeah. you can yeah. do one of those two options so the national breastfeeding helpline you can just google that is another option if you wanted yeah. to talk yeah. to somebody who's trained is evident evidence-based will listen be non-judgmental and give you good information to go away and, and read and give you some sort of way of moving forward brilliant and that's anywhere in the country as well so that's great yes that, that, that is yes in yeah. the uk in so the it's UK. not not southern yeah. ireland um but the rest of the uk yeah Brilliant. I will put all those links actually for all those, the ABM and the Breastfeeding Network and everyone into the Fantastic. into the links too. That's so helpful. Thank you. Again. No, and thank you so, so much, much for having me to talk today. It's been lovely to, to chat to you, Susan. Oh, thanks, Caroline. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. It's great to have you here, and I really do appreciate your support too. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have then please don't forget to subscribe and if you could leave a review or share with other mothers and mothers-to-be that you know well I'd be eternally grateful. You can join me as well on my online platform at www.formodernmothers.com where you'll find show notes and lots more goodness and resources all about thriving and making your own unique path as a mother in the modern world as well as details of all my programs, online courses, my classes and coaching packages too. And do follow me over on Instagram too at 4modernmothers or on Facebook and be part of my social community. I'd love to connect with you there. Take care, amazing woman.